Securities and investment advisory services offered through Next Financial Group, member FINRA SIPC. Sierra Ridge Wealth Management is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. The S&P 500 is a market-cap-weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies in leading industries of the U.S. economy. This material is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of Hunter and not those of Sierra Ridge Wealth Management or Next Financial Group. Next does not provide tax or legal advice. Welcome back to the Wealth Accelerator Podcast. Hunter Lowry here, and my goal is to help you to create a family legacy, not just short-term wealth. Okay, we got to take a quick break from our steps to creating wealth here. We were doing a little mini-series, but there's some big information, um, some big news that just came out. I'm sure you've heard about Silicon Valley Bank and the potential masses of bank failures, all the crazy headlines and everything. So I want to answer a couple questions because I've been getting a lot of client calls today about this um, and it's very, very relevant. So I actually had a client tell me and say that she felt like it was kind of like the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. So if you've never seen it, it's a Christmas movie. My family always argues about what movies we're going to watch on Christmas every single year. Um, uh, There's a lot of votes for It's a Wonderful Life and some older movies. And I try to tend towards getting us to watch um, Die Hard, but probably hot take here. You know, some people don't agree that that's a Christmas movie. (laughs) So lo and behold, I never win. We always end up watching It's a Wonderful Life. And if you've never seen it, it's a great movie. Uh, In the first scene, George, the main character, he is at the bank and they have a run and all of the members of the bank are coming uh, into town and wanting their money and George doesn't have it. The bank doesn't have it. So George is taking money out of his personal wallet and he's giving it out to these members of the bank, trying to help them, and it creates a whole thing. Um, then an angel comes and saves George, and it, it's a great movie. It's really, really awesome. Um, but the headlines and the news that you're seeing right now, they make you feel like you might need to run to your local bank and get every penny out before they go under, or you need to sell every stock position because the market is just doomed. So I want to shine some light onto what's actually taking place and how you should feel about everything. So it is true, though, that this is the second largest bank failure in history. I mean, that's a scary headline, but it's true. Um, And, you know, realistically, that's partially because of an inflationary aspect. Of course, um, any bank failure now is going to be a lot larger than a bank failure 50 or 80 years ago, just from inflation. But, you know, before you have a panic attack and you make any crazy moves, I want to talk about what's actually taking place. So in order to start the conversation, we need to talk about bonds because we really need to understand the relationship between bonds and interest rates in order to put the puzzle pieces together here. Now, in a SparkNotes version, you all know this. We've talked about this uh, quite frequently on this podcast, but bonds move inversely with interest rates. When interest rates go up, bond prices go down. So, uh, you know, bonds, if they're issued at a par value of $100, 
if you hold them to maturity, it does not really matter. But if you sell them early before the date of maturity, you're going to be selling them at either a discount or a premium, depending on if interest rates went up or down during that time frame. So it's no news to you that right now the interest rates are rising. We know that there's an inflationary issue. We know that in order to combat this issue, the Fed is raising interest rates currently. So now when interest rates rise, remember bond prices are going to go down. This happens because now that interest rates are higher, newer bonds being newer bonds that are being issued, excuse me, have those higher interest rates tied to them, making them much more attractive than older bonds that were issued at lower interest rates. Therefore, those older bonds are going to be less attractive and sell at a discount in comparison to the newly priced bonds with that higher interest rate attached to it. So Silicon Valley Bank here, they were forced to sell part of their bond portfolio prior to maturity in a rising interest rate environment, meaning that they had to sell at a discount or a loss because they needed to raise more and more cash. That way, in order to do that, in order to provide more liquidity, they were selling their bonds. Now we're going to get to why they were needing to generate liquidity here in a second. But imagine, you know, they're starting to generate more liquid cash in order to fulfill their um, the needs of their clients that are wanting to make withdrawals. So as they're wanting to generate more and more liquid cash, they're selling more and more and more bonds. So as they are increasing the supply of bonds that they bring to the market, what happens when supply goes up? Prices go down. So it just becomes worse and worse. They're selling at deeper and deeper discounts. They're taking huge losses on all these sales. And actually, we got the numbers. After the close last Wednesday, Silicon Valley Bank had one8 billion with a B billion dollars of losses on the sales of these bonds. And at the same time, they needed to raise 2.25 billion of capital in order to survive here. So <laughs> why did they need to sell these bonds to raise capital? Well, Silicon Valley Bank was working with startups, venture capital funds, you know, um, tech companies that were very speculative, all types of companies that, you know, they've been doing great with the within the past five or so years when interest rates were at all-time lows and the IPO market was hot. But now as interest rates have gone back up and the Fed is tightening the economy, a lot of these speculative risky investments, they've been getting beat up. We know that. We know that tech's been getting beat up. We know that a lot of these IPOs have been getting beat up. And so as this been, has been taking place, these members of the bank, they started to deposit less cash and they actually just started to withdraw more and more money. Now then to add fuel to the fire, they were venture capital people that were telling all the startups to pull their money from the bank as they were starting to sense potential liquidity issues. So actually a direct quote from Gary Tan, he's the president of a startup incubator. He said, we have no specific knowledge of what's happening at Silicon Valley Bank, but anytime you hear problems of solvency in any bank and it can be deemed credible, you should take it seriously and prioritize the interests of your startup by not exposing yourself to more than $250,000 of exposure there. As always, your startup dies when you run out of money for whatever reason. Now, the $250,000 of exposure that Gary Tan was referencing there is the, um, you know, the FDIC insured amount of money that is inside of the banks. Um, you know, personally, you have insurance, FDIC insurance in the banks of up to $250,000. Could be more, depending on the account type and amount of owners and some other stuff. But, um, you know, general rule of thumb, you do have that $250,000 of coverage. So again, this is why Silicon Valley Bank had to sell bonds prior to maturity to cover the liquidity needs of all of their members of the bank. 
um, coming and withdrawing excessive amounts of cash. They had to cover those positions. So it was just a perfect storm. Now, as this is happening and we're getting wind of this, it's not surprising that bank stocks took a huge hit. I mean, the market saw very, very volatile action. And then people started wondering if their funds were safe at their own banks. I mean, should you personally, now that this has come out, run to your local bank and take every dollar out of there? Well, the answer is no. I mean, first remember that this bank was working in a very, very risky and aggressive manner. This is not a standard practice across all banks. They do not all have this sort of risk exposure. And then second, as I just mentioned, FDIC insurance is covering you for up to that $250,000. Again, depending on your account size and owners and, or sorry, account type and amount of owners and all that stuff, at least $250,000. So then the question becomes, what does this do long-term? So is the banking industry going to fail? Is this gonna send us into a recession? What does the Fed do going forward now? So a couple things that I wanna highlight that Joe Bonacci said. If you don't know Joe Bonacci, he is our certified financial analyst here at Sierra Ridge. Amazingly talented, super, super smart guy. Um, and he wrote an article this morning. I wanted to highlight a couple things he said. So first quote from Joe's piece this morning, he said, when scanning the headlines, we see a plethora of lazy comparisons to the Great Recession and Great Depression. These periods have little connection to what is happening now. The Great Recession was sparked by a combination of loose residential real estate lending standards and a public policy push among lawmakers to expand home ownership, while the Great Depression occurred due to the complete absence of regulation. Unfortunately, much of the news cycle is drawing these comparisons to drive clickbait and increase viewership, which I completely agree. You know, all of the news stations, of course, no matter what side of the coin, no matter what the topic is, their goal is to drive traffic to them. So they're going to post crazy stuff to get your heart pumping and, and make you nervous and make you want to click on things. So look past those headlines. Um, and again, the second thing that I really like that Joe said, I wanted to highlight here. He said, when we look past the headlines, we believe well-established banks with differentiated business models appear attractively valued after the intense sell-off. Moreover, the fundamental logic for further interest rate increases remains intact. So basically short term, yeah, of course, this is going to create some volatility. It's going to rattle the markets. We're seeing that. I mean, March 13th today, the market ping pong back and forth all over the place. It, it, it's going to cause some short term concern. But this may also create some buying opportunities for good businesses with good business models that got overly beat up just on this news. In addition, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Fed does going forward. I mean, of course, their goal is to tamper inflation here and to hit the brakes a little bit and slow down the economy, but they're not trying to send us into an just crazy tailspin crash landing here. I mean, they don't want to have a failure in one of the most stable systems of banks, you know, in the US. They don't they don't want this everything to just crash because of their policy. So going forward, you know, people were starting to expect maybe a 50 basis point rate hike in the next meeting. Who knows if that's going to stand? They're going to have to take a step back here, reevaluate the situation and see if it still makes sense to increase rates at the manner that they were expecting to. So um, a lot of movement going forward, you know, overall with the Sierra Ridge portfolios, we do not have at all a large exposure to the financial sectors, especially to individual banks. So, you know, we're not seeing our portfolios tailspin in a manner that somebody might if they did have large um, exposure to financial institutions or to individual banks. So um, again, that's just a diversification thing. That's not because we had the, a crystal ball that said Silicon Valley Bank was gonna fail. You know, we just were not that bullish on the banking sector in general right now. So we didn't have a large exposure there. So it's not having a crazy effect to our portfolios, but 
if you are concerned about your specific situation with you know your financial portfolio and how it relays to your specific goals, I would always love to help. You can always book a one-on-one call with myself at hunterlowry.com. You can book a discovery call right there and I would love to chat with you. So I hope that helps, guys. I hope that shines some light into the current situation of what really happened with this bank, um, what happens with bond prices, why they had to sell these bonds, why the liquidity needs were there, and overall just the story of why Silicon Valley Bank had the second largest bank failure in the history of the U.S. economy. So with that, guys, again, Hope that that helped, and it is a great day to have a great day, everybody. Take care.